Back at it again, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season two. I'm Pastor Josh. Uh, So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this. Today, we are looking at our second missional value as a church, and it's experiencing God's fullness. Pastor Marva did an incredible job of preaching this, uh, this great sermon this past weekend about how how do we experience God's fullness here at Elam as people of God? We also saw a testimony video from uh, from Han and how she's experienced full, the fullness of God here at Elam. And so this is my interview with Pastor Marvin. Hope you enjoy it. Questions for small groups and even just evaluations of your own heart are, will be after this. So go ahead. Well, week number two, and Pastor Marvin is back. Here he is. Hi. Good to be back, Josh. <laughs> So let's just jump right into it. I think, uh, again, this past weekend, we talked about experiencing God's fullness. We went through these five points in practical hows, but also we saw Han's story of how she had experienced God's fullness here at Elam and community, which I thought was really profound. Yeah. I think the other thing that struck me about Han's story was that um, in the context of not being focused on her illness, but being focused on God in worship, mm. that that's actually where where God really manifested himself and met her at the point of her need. And often, isn't that the way it is, that when we kind of let go of kind of all of our expect- expectations and we just focus on, on the Lord and on his goodness, uh, as we lose ourselves in worship, God does things that uh, that are exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Well, yeah. I- yeah, I, I think so. And on top of it all, it was a progression for her to get to that point. It was, yeah. And you said something in your sermon last week that really struck me. It, it was this. It was, you said, I am more convinced now than when I was younger that our growth into greater joy and greater peace and greater contentment and greater fruitfulness is not dependent on a singular, a singular spiritual event, but on the ongoing day in and day out work of God's Spirit in me and my continual alignment with God's will as revealed in the scriptures. Can, can you kind of ex- yeah, expand on that? Because I sure. think for most of us that, uh, most people that are listening to this, for me personally even, you hear a sermon like this past weekend, and you have this longing in your heart for that. But that that very quote, I think there's something there for encouragement in terms of the day sure. in, day out progression. Yeah. So let me come back to the, when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, I think I grew up in a Pentecostal uh, revivalist kind of environment. Uh, we waited for camp meeting to get right with God. We yeah. waited for Sunday night services to get saved and resaved because we thought when we sinned, we were, you know, God had cast us off. And so we were, I, I, there was this sense that, uh, you know, there, there had to be some kind of event to get to get me filled with all the things that God wanted to fill me with. And so I think carrying that on into ministry and, and you know, hearing as I, as I reflected on, on uh, in my message on Sunday, or on the weekend rather, reflecting on how that we, th- we kind of depend on those mountaintop experiences for there to be something. And then there was always this emphasis on there's there's a revival coming, mm. and we would hear these amazing revival stories of the Hebrides and places you know times in history where God did something really unusual and yeah. amazing uh, in terms of turning uh, an entire nation around in terms of the spiritual climate, yeah, yeah. and so I think growing up in that, I was almost like okay well we'll just wait for that to really get all that God has. So here I am, 40 years in, in ministry, 
And I've seen God do some amazing things, but I honestly have not been part of what people envisioned in terms of this revival. And so I think probably 20 or 25 years ago, I began to realize, you know what? God has some amazing things for us. Let's not wait around Mm -hmm. for some dynamic spiritual event, some man of God, some woman of God who has special powers or whatever uh, to lay hands on us and pray over us. Uh, I think that it is very much, as I read, especially Paul's letters to the churches, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, the language he uses is actually be being filled. So there's this ongoing work. And so it's the day in and day out work. It's, and, and, and if God chooses to move in revival movement, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he chooses not to, that doesn't mean that I can't access the resources of God in the fullness that he desires. So do you think that sometimes there is an easy... It's an easy go-to for those moments of experience rather than the day-in, day-out work? Yeah, the harder work is to respond to the promptings of the Spirit. So the Spirit points out a really bad attitude, or I should have handled something really differently. I wasn't as gracious. I wasn't as Christ-like in my reaction or my responses. That's the hard work, and that's acknowledging the work of the Spirit in the everyday, because... I did experience at camp meetings and at special, what were called back then, revival services, Sunday night service revivals. I did experience God's presence, and I could describe some of those. I won't do it here, but where God really met me and did a deep work on the inside, but it still had to be lived out in the day-to-day, in in dealing with friends and family and work situations. So I think that's where, where the Spirit really does great work. Um, he does it in, in other ways, but, but I think we have, more, we have more ordinary moments than we have spectacular, dynamic spiritual moments. Well, you're just bringing a realism to, to what it looks like to walk this thing out with Jesus. And, I, and overall, I think ultimately, when you look at it, for many people, those experiential moments are fewer uh, and, than, and few and far between when it comes to the longevity of their they're walking Christ. Yes. Yes, there are like I said, there are those there are those unusual moments or seasons where where God does you know extraordinary work. But those are extraordinary for for a reason. Yeah. They're they're we usually live out the ordinary and we have much more ordinary yeah. than extraordinary. But I love that you're not discounting those things. No, no, I absolutely not. I I I mean I do recall moments, uh, you know, and I go back to camp meeting because that's often where I seem to meet God in really in extraordinary ways. But I remember being so um, impacted by God's presence that I was literally, probably a young teen, on my face on a concrete floor, you know, crying out to God, um, deeply moved by God's Spirit. So absolutely value those experiences. Mm But if I was dependent on those experiences in terms of the, the ongoing work of the Spirit, I would miss so much of what God wanted mm-hmm. to do um, by His Spirit in me. Which then leads to all of the points that you had brought out on the weekend, this idea of cultivation and, yes. and what that looks like on a, on a regular basis. I mean, one of them, the first one, cultivate a keen awareness of 
the Spirit's presence and work in you. This, this idea that you have to look inwardly before you can ever really see something happen on the outside. Right. What I find interesting about Paul's prayer, because this all comes out of Paul's prayer for, for the Ephesian yeah. church, is that he's, he's letting them know that, that he's praying for them, but he also is letting them know that they have to do some things mm-hmm. in order to experience God's fullness. It yeah. isn't just kind of a sit back and be filled with God's fullness. Yeah. It's a there's a pursuit, and so out of out of Paul's prayer, yes, we pray that God would bring these things about. But then there's the action that I need to take. So, yeah. this idea of cultivating a keen awareness of the Spirit's presence and work in you, I think I want to. What I mean by that is. Lean in to hear the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He actually does, wants to speak to you about all kinds of things. I mean, I have met, uh, and we have a man in our church, he's now um, uh, retired, but he has told me story after story because, because as, a, as an inventor mm-hmm. and a machinist, he would have these inspirations that he could only accredit, give credit to the Holy Spirit. He said, wow. I would, I would, the Holy Spirit would tell me, he said, God, something in my mind said, try to do this. And I would do it, and it would be an amazing outcome. <laughs> so I think it's 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 practical. God, uh, you know, the Spirit in me talks to me about my character, about my responses and reactions. But I think also instructs me in just the the everyday of how to do life. Mm-hmm. Well, then you go into cultivate an awareness of Jesus's presence in every moment. So you go from this inside reality to what's happening around you and seeing God's presence in all of those things too. So why is that so important? Uh, because he, when Paul prays, he says that Christ may dwell in you, and and this this awareness that uh, Jesus isn't out there somewhere; He's actually lives in me, and and Paul says elsewhere, you know, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So if we're not, if we don't cultivate this awareness of Christ's presence, we actually endanger. The, the possibility that that we'll live with this great hope, mm-hmm. and so it, it, it's hope-inducing, it's hope-inspiring to have Jesus live within me, and He does. But I have to cultivate the awareness of it, be reminded of it, remind myself of it. That, and that'll that'll shift and change how I do things, how I react and respond to people, because if it's just if it's truly Jesus living in me, then He has it'll be seen in in how I live my life. Because in the next two points, so three and four, you actually talk about this idea of God's love. Yeah. And you say, cultivate a keen awareness of how much God loves the imperfect people around you who he calls saints. And then in the very next point, you say, remember how deeply and widely you are loved by God. Right. Here is this out, outside of yourself in, yes. in another person that you're interacting with, but then also inside of yourself, who you are. So so explain, a bit. can you flesh that out a bit? Yeah. It, the, the cultivating this awareness of how much God loves the people around you, I think is so important because if, if we're just kind of think, I'm, I'm going to try my very best to like this person who isn't very likable, mm-hmm. uh, then, then we're, it's all about human will and, and you know, the effort that I put out. But when I begin to see people as saints... Who make mistakes rather than sinners, yeah. uh, you know who, um, and that's who they are. Yeah. You know, when God calls them saints, uh, I I actually need to see them differently, um, and I think it changes. Then when I see them differently, it changes. 
uh, how much grace I might be able to extend mm-hmm. to them, how much forgiveness uh, matters, uh, those kinds of things. Because God forgave me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm imperfect. Um, my imperfections show in all kinds of ways. And yet God in the midst of that sees me as a saint. So it's getting God's view of people. And um, I think that's why it's included here. If we want to be filled with all the fullness of God, we actually have to see people differently. Mm-hmm. And then we also have to see ourselves differently. Um, some of us are maybe too hard on ourselves. Some are, mm-hmm. some of us let, us let ourselves off the hook too easy. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of that understanding that God loves me deeply, widely, all of the ways that, you know, in infinity, and Paul uses that imagery of, mm-hmm. of kind of a four-dimensional love. I think that's really important if we're going to be filled to the fullness of God. Um, if you don't think you're worthy of being filled to the fullness of God, you probably won't You won't seek God's fullness. Right. If you don't think you're worthy of joy, worthy of peace, worthy of God's grace and and um, you know his filling, you probably won't go after it. So you have to love yourself. Yeah. Which then, I mean, the last point you have here, expect God to bring the riches of his resource, resources to fill up your life. I mean, if, if you don't see yourself that way as loved and cared for by God, how could you ever have that expectation? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think so important um, to, to live with this expectation that God actually wants to fill me to fullness with all of himself, all of the amazing things that God brings to our lives. So I've just chosen a few of them. Yeah. So joy, um, you know, peace, contentment, a sense of being deeply, deeply cherished by God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you expect God, expect God to fill your life. Uh, you're not a second class um, Christian. You, you, you know, you're a saint who, who fails from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so live with that expectation that God is going gonna, is gonna to actually fill your life with, with all that you need. Um, and pray to that end. That's, I think, what Paul was doing, was praying to that end. And, and then, for me, it's interesting that right hard on the heels of his prayer, he, you know, he gives this incredible benediction, you know, to, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more mm-hmm. than all we ask or imagine. And he's just reminding them again who it is that he's praying to. It's this God who, uh, who can do extraordinary things in our lives. And then I wanted to, wanted to end with, with Hannah's video because... You know, there was there's one living example of, mm-hmm. of just a fresh example, I think, of uh, somebody who experiences God's grace in a fresh way. Yeah. So one encouragement that you would have for somebody who is afraid to expect for that because they potentially think that they could be let down. I think in the end, you have to say, God, you're sovereign in all of this. So what I do understand is I understand that you want to fill my life with your fullness I've got to let you define fullness. Mm. There's some things that, you know, that God has made clear. So one of them is he wants us to be filled with his joy. He wants us to have a peace that passes understanding. But in terms of all of the things that are going on in my life, and maybe some of the things that aren't going right, or I don't think they're going right, I think that's where trust comes in as well, that God is actually working out uh, things for my good in the midst of it. It may not feel good at the moment, but I have this confidence, this deep confidence that this God who is able to do more than I can ask or imagine is actually at work. So I expect good things. And over the 40 years of pastoring, 
you've seen this happen over and over again? Yeah, it is. A, for me, it's a pattern. I, I see it in my own life. Um, I, I see it particularly for people over the long haul who just refuse to give up and give in mm. to despair and and the, the poor me and the you know God, God's finished with me or those mm-hmm. those kinds of attitudes. I, just, I think it's just I've seen that over and over again. People who have this fresh um, openness to the work of the Spirit tend to have the you know this, uh, a deeper sense of joy, deeper sense of peace and God's working in their life. It doesn't mean all everything's perfect or it all goes well. It just means uh, means that they actually are able to enjoy God's fullness in, in ways that they wouldn't otherwise. Mm, so good. Well, again, number two, next week we're talking about? This coming weekend, uh, we're going to just unfold this whole idea of equipping God's people. What does that look like? What does it mean? Uh, how does that apply? And, and we're going to get really practical uh, because as I end the message, I'm going to say, so here's, here's kind of what it looks like but so what? And we're going to try to get at the so what for, for every one of us on, uh, on this whole idea of, of being equipped to serve God. It's going to be so good. Anyway, thanks so much for being with yeah. us again. Thanks, Josh. Okay. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Today, for the evaluation of our hearts or small group questions, the first thing that I would like you to do is go read Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21. I want you to let this particular portion of Scripture just get into your heart about the fullness of God and what that looks like to experience it on, on the everyday grind of life. Also, ask yourself these questions this week as you go about your everyday. First of all, how are you cultivating a keen awareness of the Spirit's presence and work in you and in your life? Number two, how are you cultivating an awareness of Jesus' presence in every moment? Number three, How are you cultivating a keen awareness of how much God loves the imperfect people around you who he calls saints? Four, how are you remembering how deeply and widely you are loved by God? Are are you doing that on a regular basis? And lastly, five, how are you expecting God to bring the riches of his resources to fill up your life? If you've enjoyed this podcast, and I hope you have, would you consider subscribing? So you can either go to iTunes, search up Elam Church, and there we're right there. Subscribe to the podcast there, or you can go on Podbean, elamchurch.podbean.com, and you can uh, subscribe there as well. If you're wondering about Elam and all the programs that we offer and all the times that you can find space to be encouraged and to gather with other people that love Jesus too, go to elamchurch.ca. Next week, we're on value number three, equipping God's people. Listen, I hope you have an incredible week. See you next time.